Hey, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where we discuss important topics through a biblical lens with the hope to encourage and equip you. Thank you for tuning in today. I want to remind you, you can always go to YouTube to watch these, type in Conversations with Ben Dixon. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you can download an audio podcast. Go to conversationswithbendixon.com if you forget all that. Please like, subscribe, share all this with your friends. Today, we have another really powerful episode. It really is in keeping with what we talked about about last week, or it was two weeks ago, really, with Pastor John Hammer, who's my guest today. What's up, John? Hey, hey. good to be back. Glad to have you back. Amen. Uh, we talked about the burden and the beauty of sexuality last time, and we wanted to make sure that we just focused on sort of the danger of an unhealthy sexuality, or at least some addictive behaviors that come out of an unhealthy sexuality. So today's topic is going to be freedom from pornography. And friends, let me tell you, not only do I am I asking you to watch or listen to the whole episode, 45 minutes, but I'm asking you to share this with people. Not a lot of people want to admit that this is a struggle that they have, but statistics tell us it is a struggle an overwhelming majority of people have today. And a lot of people may not line up to say so, but we know that underneath it all, there is this thing that is looming that we do need to talk about. And so Pastor John is the lead pastor of Sunrise Christian Center, and he's also the author of a book called Exit. That's the E-X-X-X-I-T. And it's basically based on his story, first of all, of being freed from a pornography addiction when you were a young man, and also his study of scripture of human sexuality, what God's intention for that is, and how it is that we get free from sexual sin and sexual brokenness. It's a powerful book. I've read it. Many people have read it. You should buy it. But I would like to start our episode today by talking about your story. I just want you to share your story and really what you share in the book, but just talk about that for a little bit. Well, thanks for having me on to do this. I hope to encourage people and give them hope in the middle of their struggle that they might find freedom and wholeness in Christ because it's available. And uh, I was raised in a good Christian home. You know, mm-hmm. my dad was a first-generation Christian. Well, he's really a second-generation Christian, but his family experienced a lot of brokenness. So, um, but really he he had a radical born-again experience and then married my mom and they became pastors before I was born. And uh, so I grew, up in, I grew up in a good Christian home and mm-hmm. went to Christian school and around almost middle school, I got exposed to like a pornography advertisement in a motorcycle magazine. It was like, I remember like, just like, whoa, like, what's that? Mm-hmm. You know? And then by seventh grade, hearing other kids talking about porn and masturbation and bringing porn to Christian school and passing it around. Cause wow. you know, at the time nobody really had internet in their house when I was in uh, middle school in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was like exposed to it. And then, you know, there was TVs were different. You could find things on TV that weren't like fully blocked, mm-hmm. you know, you could, and then they, you, I don't know. It's like, somehow Satan leads people to like leave things in the bushes in the woods or, you know, mm-hmm. like people, fi- everybody has these stories of like, uh, it's amazing how many guys I talked to, right? Like I was in the woods and there was like this little like fort we built and then somebody left this stash in this fort, you know, of magazines or whatever, wow. you know, or, or guys would go even from middle school, like you could go to a mini mart or a place where you shouldn't get porn when you're under 18, but the, the people there didn't care. So, you know, I just, I had to, it wasn't quite as prevalent as online porn is now, but yet it started to consume my life from about age 12 uh, till I was 20, 
years old, almost 21. And I mean, I basically woke up every day to, for, to figure out like, how can I find porn and lust and fantasize and gratify myself and like my fleshly desires. And so I, by the end of high school though, uh, everybody was getting internet, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. dial up. So it was slow. Um, there wasn't a lot of video that you could get access to because the internet was so slow, maybe a little bit. Um, so things started to change. I was, you know, I dealt with compulsive masturbation, just lived in a fantasy world, literally from morning till bedtime. And, uh, just was full of shame, full of, uh, self-hatred. I didn't really know it at the time, but I really didn't like myself. I really didn't feel like I measured up as a man in some ways or that I didn't have a girlfriend and that for whatever reason that it's not like my parents were always like, are you going to date somebody or any, but I just had an internal pressure that like, if I was, you know, if I was, if I measured up, I would have a girlfriend. I would have a, I would, ha I would be more desirable or whatever. I wouldn't just be somebody's friend. You know, mm -hmm. I would, I, I would, they would want to date me. They, um, so I just had a, a very low self-esteem and I covered it with performance and it was really driven to perform and do, I did well in school. I was involved in church, but lived a real double life. And when I was 20, uh, I started having more girls at work in different places, you know, coming on to me and flirting with me. And I really was struggling more with the internet stuff and even considering like, oh, I, I can meet people on the internet that want to have sex with me. And, you know, so it was like, I've really felt like I was at this precipice of like, okay, you can kind of live the fake Christian life at church and be totally sexually addicted for so long. But then eventually you're like, if I'm going to fully live how I want, like I'm fantasizing about living, then I just, I can't be a part of church or really mm -hmm. have active faith in God. And I was literally contemplating like, who could I move in out from my parents' house? Where could I move in? I was in community college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with a future career for sure. And I had a friend that was like a college, it was a college pastor, kind of like a big brother to me. And I would just show up at his house quite a bit. And I had maybe opened up to my dad a little bit once, you know, uh, and I would say we had a, by the average standard, we had a good relationship, but mm -hmm. I obviously it wasn't a great relationship because I wasn't vulnerable about what I was struggling with. And anytime I got busted for anything that could resemble looking at porn or things like that, I just lied about it enough till he'd leave me alone, even when he pushed me. And I just kept lying and lying, and then eventually he'd quit bothering me about it. And so I'd opened up a little bit once, but I went to this friend's house. It's like my big brother, Todd, and uh, he was he was gone that night. And, uh, so I drove to a couple of places that sold porn that night and like adult stores and looked around and went home is probably like 10 o'clock at night by the time I got home. And I live with my parents, community college, you know, retail job, just kind of trying to figure life out. And I was at a room in their basement and my dad was watching a TV show and I went into my bedroom on the other end of the basement and I sat on my bed and I just began to cry. And it's like the fear of God just shook me. Mm. And I knew like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I need freedom. I need help. I need to really open up. And I'm freaked out. I'm afraid. It's like I feel the guilt and the weight of what I've really been doing mm -hmm. and how broken and messed up it is. And then I feel like I also, I really need help and I can't be quiet anymore. So I actually said, Dad, come talk to me. Right now I need to talk to you. And I told him, I said, I went to one place tonight that sold stuff. I, for some reason, I thought in my mind it was worse to say I went to two, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and I was so mm -hmm. afraid of being open. So like my confessions were like half baked at first, half hearted. And, but yet I just started to crack the door open and, 
And I started to feel so much better even after a partial confession that the next day I was like, oh, and actually I'm on the internet every single moment I get. And actually I've been going to other places and actually I've almost been trying to meet people, you know, uh, actually. So I, I had to like, uh, get more and more open. Mm. And then my dad prayed with me over some times. And I really believe that I had a demonic stronghold, mm-hmm. um, to use, you know, biblical terms that was broken as I brought my sin to the light, wow. prayed with my dad. I had some dramatic, I didn't like slither like a snake on the floor, have my head spin 360 degrees, but I had some dr- a dramatic encounter with God through mm-hmm. prayer mm-hmm. as my dad ministered to me, um, where I woke up every day with different desires after that. Mm. I wouldn't say, I think I stumbled a couple times in that first month. But then after that, like I've never gone back to actively look at porn. Mm -hmm. I've never, I I wouldn't say that I've never struggled with lust or that I've never, you know, had to repent of thoughts or things in my mind that I should have dealt with more quickly at different times or seasons in my life. Um, But I never went back to that addictive behavior Mm. and I, and it does not dominate me. Mm. And if I'm having a time of struggle where I can't get temptation off my mind, I go to my wife, I go to my dad, I go to a couple guys. I've talked to you at different Mm -hmm. seasons of my life. I have a couple friends that are about my age um, that I can open up with. So it's not something that controls me or dominates me Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I have victory over it by the grace of God. Yeah, That was 20 years ago. Yeah, that was 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. And I know you've shared this Mm -hmm. story and it's been freeing. Yeah. For so many people, because you're honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I, I mean, that sounds so simple, but this level of honesty is rare. Yeah. We just have to admit that. And it's because of your honesty and the testimony of God's grace in your life mm-hmm. that has perpetuated this testimony in the lives of so many other people. Yeah. And it led you to write a book, right? So yep. I've read this book and I know some of us who are watching and listening it. today it's have right read there. the book called Exit. <laughs> yep. This is an older picture of you, John. Yeah. <laughs> but tell us about your journey of wanting not only to be free, but to bring freedom to other people. And that's really ultimately why you wrote this book, I believe. Yeah. Um, I started having people tell me that when I shared my testimony, when I preached, that it was so rare. Mm -hmm. And then they wanted to meet with me. Parents of kids struggling, parents themselves struggling with porn. Yep. Or, you know, uh, meet um, other pastors or leaders from other churches, or I'd speak Mm -hmm. at a youth camp. And then you got the the, the the leaders there that are like helping with the youth ministry that are struggling with porn, the kids themselves, and people would want to talk to me, meet with me. And I was working at one church and you know, like it's hard enough to care for the people in your own church. You can't, and I was just a youth pastor at the time, but still I couldn't care for all the people from all these different churches when I don't see them week after week. That's you right, know, yeah. I, I didn't have the time to do like set up a counseling office or a, a specific ministry. So I just started wanting to give away tools. Like my dad is, besides Jesus, of course, and, and now my wife, but in that season of my life, he's the hero of my story and my biggest supporter at that, especially those early few years of coming out of this life. Mm-hmm. And he gave me so many tools that were from scripture and that were very practical that I wanted to pass on to other people. Yeah. And so I loved writing and I wanted to write about something that I had experience with. And I thought, man, this could help people because I can't... I, can't, I got an hour with this person, but I'm not going to be able to meet with them for another couple months. Right. Um, so what could I instill in them that was, that helped me so much? Uh, I could do it in a book form. Mm-hmm. And so that's really why the book, and I think I was about, I started writing 
about the 10 year mark. Cause I felt like I needed to convince myself that like, I really had a message or time of freedom and health that I wasn't just like, well, I'm doing good for a couple months and now right. I'm going to tell everybody I'm the expert. A decade's and a I'm long still time. still not the yeah. expert. Yeah. And I wasn't, when I wrote it, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't published quite 10 years ago. It has been more recent than that. But when I first started the concept, mm -hmm. it was about 10 years ago. Cause I was like, okay, now I've had 10 years and it just feels like, okay, now I feel like I'm married. I have some kids and I have something to give a value that's helped me stay at least this long. So I'm not just trying to sell a book. Mm -hmm. I actually feel like I have something worth sharing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was important to me in the process. Yeah, I mean, part of what you find in your book and and many other books we, mm -hmm. we can reference and the culture that we're living in today, I mean, the statistics are out there, but something that we have to talk about in this conversation, in case you don't know, I mean, it just if there's even a chance, let's say, uh -huh. you know, you're... Uh, whether you're a man, woman, or a young person, if you don't know how bad pornography addiction really is, how yeah. rampant it is, not just in the world, but in the church, right. people that are Christians who love Jesus, who believe the Bible are struggling with this yeah. deeply. And that isn't for us to shame anybody. It, actually, we wanna have this conversation so that we can break shame. And so we can bring people out of dark places into freedom, into the light. I want to talk for a few moments, John, about how bad it really yeah. is. I want I want us to set the tone. I remember Bridget and I went mm -hmm. to your church for oh, yeah. a vacation because mm -hmm. we we took vacation. And so instead of coming to Northwest Church, I wasn't preaching and and I didn't want to just kind of randomly show up to one service. Uh, we went up to your church and you actually happened to be talking about this in Matthew chapter five. It was an amazing message. And I even mm -hmm. was like, maybe you should preach that <laughs> at our church. But I didn't want you to come here and only preach about you know, the thing that your book's written about, yeah. I, you know, you have so many other tools in the toolbox to share with people as a pastor and minister, but how bad is it, John? Yeah. I mean, like, let's let's talk statistics, let's talk sure. reality, let's talk about church, world. What is this really right. like? Yeah, well, it's, it's devastating. I think the general perception of porn is that it's like, well, it's like some actors and actresses that are like getting paid to have sex and they're making a lot of money and it's like... Well, it, it's not like barely any of the actors and actresses are making very much money. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the bigger companies might, some of the people are getting wealthy. I mean, people are getting wealthy off it, but it's not the people that are necessarily on screen, you know, mm -hmm. doing this kind of stuff. Um, and so there's a lot of misconceptions about how dark it is or how bad it really is. Right. And people kind of look at porn from the outside when they're using it or, you know, getting new to it is like, it's kind of like not that bad because I kind of do it in secret. I'm not really hurting anybody else. Right. That's kind of the the mindset, right? Like I'm not, I'm not like going to pick up, you know, trafficked women in prostitution. I'm not, you know, cheating with another real person. So it's not really that bad, but actually pornography is the documentation of somebody cheating on their spouse mm -hmm. and creating a life now with the internet, creating a lifetime permanent record of all of their sinful actions on screen that will never be erased as long as the internet exists. Mm -hmm. And especially because people can screen record, mm -hmm. there's an article called Children of Porn Up. I'll get into some of the stats from my book that are a few years old now, but are still about the same from what I understand. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but there was an article in the New York Times called Children of Pornhub. If you have any doubt about how destructive porn is, read that New York Times, mm -hmm. Children of Pornhub. It will rip out your heart. Yep. And and it just kind of unveils. But there's been, a, even since I wrote my book, there's been so much investigation from investigative journalists 
Um, there's been so much gained through psycho like psychological research that we know so much more about porn now than even when I wrote my book 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's crazy, but every, you know, worldwide porn is a $97 billion industry. And this, these stats are again around 10 years ish plus or minus a couple of years. Um, it's probably even bigger now, uh, $13 billion a year business in the United States. So just to put it into perspective, pornography makes more money every year than the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball combined. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes more money than ABC, NBC, and CBS, like the major TV stations combined. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's to, it's incredibly prevalent. Uh, the average age that someone begins consuming uh, hardcore porn is at age 11. Mm-hmm. And the primary place where a kid is exposed to porn, like 80% is in their own home. Mm-hmm. So the place where people think they're the safest, they think, oh, there's some creepy neighbor, there's some kid at school that shouldn't be giving them this stuff. Uh, it does happen, but mm-hmm. the primary place, especially I would say probably with internet uh, access, being on our phones now, mm-hmm. as well as tablets and computers, of course, um, is in the home. And so uh, there's all sorts of research that's been done more and more too about the psychological dysfunctions of right. sex. There's a huge sociological problem that we kind of made a little phrase called failure to launch. Mm-hmm. Like porn is a big part of why people are not, young men aren't dating as much. Um, uh, it's created a hookup culture, uh, treating sex as a consumer. Um, it trains men to have, go after instant gratification, mm-hmm. which when somebody gets married, if they don't know a man's sex sexual experience and a woman's sexual experience have different needs, mm-hmm. right? And so if a guy's been trained for years to have instant gratification every time he starts sex for 30 seconds and a woman's, she needs time. She needs mm-hmm. romance. She needs good, a heart connection, intimacy, you know? And it's not that women don't struggle with porn or that every man or every woman is the exact same, but just in general, these things have created huge social problems for us. And all the stats are that basically men and women in the church struggle at about the same percentages as people in the world do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's really no difference between uh, what happens. You know, in different stats, say 60 to 80% of men struggle with porn on a regular basis or have viewed it within like the last week or the last month. And then uh, women, it's been a growing and growing thing for women. I think with our cultural narrative that men and women are basically the same and they should be able to go after the same things, women have been encouraged a lot more to look at porn and like sex, their sex as power. Mm-hmm. So uh, so women have become more addicted to porn as well as probably for different physiological reasons mm-hmm. uh, aren't the same, but it's become more prevalent and they become a much, there's been a lot more growth in women using porn more often, mm-hmm. but the whole industry itself is completely dark and damaging. I mean, we could talk for a long time about this. I mean, even you hear stories from like guys that used to be that have come out of the porn industry that have become Christians or have had a, you know a change of heart about the industry. They talk about how they recruit and manipulate women through certain contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a girl that made a big story about how she was going to pay for her. It wasn't, I don't think it was an Ivy League school, but it's another big university on the East Coast that you would think is an Ivy League school. Um, she is like, porn empowers women. I'm paying for my top level. I'm at like a tier one university in the nation and I'm paying for my education. It empowers me. I get to have sex all the time. It's just so amazing. So basically she then months or a year goes by and she gets another interview and she goes, I was paid. I was forced to do that and say that stuff about porn. She's like, I signed a contract in a contract. I'm basically a sex slave as a porn actress. 
Um, I'm held in debt bondage. Like the, the people that produce films are more like pimps and they put women in debt bondage. Mm -hmm. And she says, there's a kill clause in my contract. So like they'll show up and say, I want you to do this scene. And it's like some crazy scene of sexual things that I don't want to even put in the minds of people that are listening to this, right? And she feels so uncomfortable doing that as a woman because mm -hmm. most of the people, they don't actually want to do the stuff on screen that they're making them do, mm -hmm. right? And so she can get out of that, but she has to pay a fee mm -hmm. to to kill kill it. So if she doesn't have the money, or then the, the producer can say, I'll loan you the money with interest mm -hmm. if you can't pay your kill fee. Mm -hmm. so she says she hates herself she can't talk to her mom she broke a mirror to grab a piece of glass to try to carve the word ugly into her arm because she hates herself so much mm -hmm. um and like some of the biggest porn scenes that apparently there's like porn awards and stuff like that um that women will report that some of the, like the most famous scenes that people liked or whatever in the porn world like that the guy that is having sex with the woman in the porn scene starts punching her repeatedly in the face after the after it looks like this romantic hot love scene after the, scene, the camera quits rolling he starts repeatedly punching her in the face mm -hmm. you know and this is a regular occurrence mm -hmm. in the porn industry so this is not a few people that are making lots of money having this romantic so like to the user of porn to his own sex drive his own psyche or the female that would use it to the people in it, to how it's affecting young people and their view of sexuality and their ability not to bond. I mean, it's destructive through and through and through. There is nothing redemptive. It is not a good teacher. Well, if you're having sex problems, watch porn with your spouse or teach, have your kids so that at least they know how it works. These are actors and actresses faking stuff on screen. Mm -hmm. How is that gonna actually help you connect in right. a real way to right. a human that has right. all sorts of needs, baggages, wants, desires, dreams? It's not. So anyway... There's a lot there, yeah. but it's it's destructive through and through. Yeah, I mean, pornography is a drug. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a drug. It's there's a website. I think it's called the 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 new drug. Yeah, and yeah. They yeah. have like different mandates. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not advocating that because I don't know what right. they all say or believe right. or whatever. But anyways, mm -hmm. you know, there's like a whole campaign yeah, of fight the new uh, drug, fight the new like drug, yeah. don't click. And we live in a time where people have this sort of dichotomy where they say, we don't want to advocate, allow for, um, or, or be silent about human traffic, human uh, sex trafficking. Right. But then pornography sort of like airbrushed where it's like, <laughs> it's not that bad. It doesn't hurt anybody else. It's mm -hmm. not a big deal, but we don't connect the dots. Right. Okay. If you want to care about sex trafficking and stop that, stop consuming <laughs> pornography time. and become an advocate the against pornography. The, the number one thing that anybody can do is not use pornography and advocate against it. Teach mm -hmm. your family, teach the people around you to have a healthy sexuality, have compassion for these people that are stuck in this industry, right. pray for them, pray yeah. for their salvation, pray for their freedom, pray that they find off ramps from whatever right. it is that they're involved in because many of these people are not living this glamorous life. Can you just imagine the amount of shame that they're mm -hmm. gonna have when they wake up and realize all of this stuff is on video and it ain't uh -huh. going away. Right. And so it is a drug. Mm -hmm. People are consuming the drug and uh, using pornography is cheating on your spouse. It is mm -hmm. sexual sin uh -huh. and it leads to a, a psychological sexual bondage. Right. Talk to me about that for a moment. When a person gets involved in pornography, mm -hmm. there are there are various levels. Actually, there's a book called 
uh, treating online pornography and something mm. that they have as a test to see mm. what level of addiction yeah. you're in. I, I have found that most people that I've tried to help through uh, pornography mm-hmm. addiction don't actually uh, admit they have an addiction. Right. I, I think I think first step is denial, right? right. So like, uh, it, it's not really that bad. Mm-hmm. It's like once a week or once a month or yeah. once a whatever. So we sort of like in, in your mm-hmm. story, when you talked to your dad, you talked about how you only gave half a confession uh-huh. and then, but because there was this fear of God and the Lord was moving in your life, you begin to give full confession. Right. But I have found that denial is is the is the go to right, yeah. and so we kind of give half a confession, and as a result of that, we get half freedom. Yep. Right. Confessing to God brings forgiveness, but confessing to one another, I mm. think, brings a lot of cleansing. Yeah. And it's it's when we come out of the darkness and into the light with other people, Absolutely. we're not we're not a, a sh- we're not ashamed. We're coming out of our shame. Yep. But but because this is a new drug, there is something that happens when a person begins to consume this drug, mm-hmm. it actually begins to change the way that they think. Yeah, It changes the way that they focus, it changes right. what they're thinking about throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And a person gets consumed just like a drug addiction, yep. a cocaine addiction, an alcohol addiction. You wake up in the morning and you begin to think about how do I get my next fix? Mm-hmm. But so many of us don't think it's an addiction. So many people that I've talked to, they deny it's an addiction. They're, that book, Treating Online Pornography, there's four levels of addiction, yeah. but they actually start by saying it is an addiction. Yeah, They start there. There's level one, there's level two. And then I believe when you cross level two to level three, that's when it moves out of your bedroom and into the streets. Like mm-hmm. that's when you actually start to mm-hmm. you know, do things with real people because this isn't enough anymore, right? right? That's the, the threshold. Yeah. And then level four is full blown. Right. But- for those that are on like level one and level two, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to remind all of us just how bad it is. Yeah. Um, these websites are recording IP addresses. So that's number one. Number one yeah. is, is that, you know how we would say, even if nobody knows what you're doing, uh-huh. God knows, we actually need to take another step here. And I tell people this all the time, and this is the truth. Yeah. God doesn't just know, but your IP address on your phone- Google knows. And Google knows. <laughs> It is being recorded, mm-hmm. and that's a scary thing. Yeah, you have to just like the fear. If the fear of God isn't isn't enough, which it should be enough, right? There's a healthy fear. Mm-hmm. The other thing that consuming a drug does is it reduces us down to animalistic tendencies. Yep. It replaces the dignity that God has given to us as image bearers of God, right. and it reduces us down to this gratification of just doing this thing to get this result. Yeah. That brings further shame, guilt, condemnation. And I like to tell people like, you're not an animal. Mm-hmm. You should not be given over to this base like need that you think you have. It's really not a physiological need to have a release. Yeah. A person does not need that. Mm-hmm. You know, This has been given for a specific purpose within marriage covenant that yeah. a man and woman would in- enjoy sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. But I think people believe they need some kind of release and mm-hmm. their body has been instructed through yeah. pornography addiction, I need this, just like a drug tells you, right. I need it. Right. And what is the, in your experience of really helping people over the mm-hmm. last, I don't know, more than a decade, two decades, uh-huh. what has been your experience with like how people are thinking when they're caught up in pornography addiction? What does it sound like coming out of somebody's confession? Just for yeah. anybody that's listening to us, whether you're struggling mm-hmm. or you're listening to somebody and, and you're trying to identify an actual addiction. What, is, yeah. what does it well, sound Well, I think like? when it starts out, it sounds out kind of, sometimes it sounds self-justified a little bit. Like, you know, it's kind of like 
I mean, we have books that I'm not saying it's a bad book. It's, there's a lot of good in there. Uh, every man's battle, but you know, but sometimes guys use that as like a well, you know, every guy struggles. Everybody with this, struggles. So like, yeah, so it's, yeah. You know, this is a guy thing. Uh, so that can be pretty common. But they're there for help. But they've never, they've typically never really been vulnerable and transparent mm -hmm. before. So it's really hard and awkward, and they don't want to, you know, and they're probably afraid of rejection. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, there's been times in our other interview that we did where somebody opens up about sexual brokenness and then people go, we don't want to hear that anymore. And then mm -hmm. they just like shut someone up in shame. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I understand that it can be scary. So I think people tend to stumble with how they confess. And I just try to meet people at the level where they're at mm -hmm. and, and applaud them and appreciate the level where they're at. Amen. Cause like, well, that's what my dad did with me is he loved me where I was at. And it felt good to get it, get it out, you know? And I, of course we can confess all of our sin directly to God. We don't need a high priest between us and God, mm -hmm. right? Jesus is our high priest. Mm -hmm. So we can go directly to him, but the scripture instructs us to confess our sins, sins to one yeah. another and pray for each other that we might be healed. Yeah. And I think sexual sin is, is hurt even if it's porn, it's, and it does involve the people that we're looking at or we're lusting after. It's either a relational issue or it's a, a pain over a relational issue. Uh, uh, you know, a sexual release is a quick high mm -hmm. to bypass what we would need to do to get married and love and cultivate a relationship. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a shortcut to get our emotional needs gratified through a physical connection mm -hmm. or even a, a mental <laughs> physical connection right right so this is why right. people consume porn right we're trying to f yeah. satisfy something, something in ourselves. Yeah. yeah and so when we go to and confess i think we can actually find that a lot of the needs that we thought were driving us that were sexual were actually also emotional we're mm -hmm. actually just a need for a human connection mm -hmm. and when i started making the human connection to my dad and other brothers in christ as friends and other older men in my church that would just love me and encourage me i found out that a lot of the things that's where i started to learn after getting out of porn that like hey i just actually it wasn't like i wanted to be sinful and rebellious it was like i had a lot of emotional pain and if i think that's like we talk about the concept of idolatry you know and it, porn is an idol it is a it's an addiction and you know it's that thing that's going to hold you and help you through the difficult painful things in life mm -hmm. and the reason people worship these different gods or idols is because they're looking for something that's bigger than them to give them a sense of power a sense of comfort a sense of meaning a sense of beauty or identity and that's what porn offers you and so mm -hmm. you've got to learn to through your confession get rid of that stuff and realize some people have confessed and like, well, what am I going to do now? This is mm -hmm. like, I don't do drugs. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't drink alcohol anymore, but porn kind of helps me when I'm down. I'm like, well, that's, that's your idol. That's it's your idol. That's right. God wants to be the one you need to let him into those places where you have that emotional or spiritual brokenness where you let him in and let him love you mm -hmm. and let him help you. Mm -hmm. And of course the ways that he provides is also through community, through pastors, mentors, through family, and through through church relationships mm -hmm. um, that could be really helpful. And such a healing dynamic happens when people can open up one to another and let God love them through somebody else's encouragement. Yeah, really. So <clears throat> the Father affirms our identity, Yep, shows us that he's all mm -hmm. that we need. We don't need these other things. We don't need this physical release outside of marriage covenant. We don't yeah. have to do these things. Mm -hmm. We have dignity and honor and respect. We're image right. bearers. Um, we don't have to be reduced down to this thing, and mm -hmm. we don't need to consume drugs for that matter, right. of which this is very much that. I mean, some people would say that I mean, the thing about sexual addiction is that 
you can, when a person gets free of like, let's say somebody has like a drug addiction, like cocaine or something, you can separate yourself from cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can never go around where it's sold. You can right. never be around where it is. You can uh, move to a different place. You can be around a different people. You can go to the recovery groups. People understand this type of addiction. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it has shame to it. But sexual addiction, you can't separate yourself from your sex drive. Right. And so there's just something unique about learning true sexuality, understanding who you are, receiving what you really need, which is from God, your mm-hmm. father, and from brothers and sisters, people that will love you to satisfy what you're really looking right. for, which is intimacy with people. And it's real love mm-hmm. um, because we were created for that. But everyone that I've ever helped with this um, issue is uh, who's entrenched in it, maybe not necessarily just occasional, but like really as they get mm-hmm. further into this, it really is trying to satisfy that thing. It's a way they deal with stress. Yeah. It's a way they handle right. uh, conflict. Um, it's what they go to like you would to make yourself feel better, to medicate your pain. And instead of going to God, instead of casting mm-hmm. all your cares upon God. So it's yeah. replacing healthy, not just healthy sexuality, mm-hmm. but healthy spirituality right. is what it's replacing. There's a book, John, that um, I also have recommended to people alongside yours, and it's mm-hmm. called The Game Plan by Joe Dallas. And I've always had this saying, uh, mm-hmm. particularly for anybody that's watching today that's saying, hey, I'll, I, I have an addiction. Maybe you wouldn't call it an addiction, uh-huh. but maybe after today you will, because an addiction mm-hmm. is something that's bigger than you. Yeah. That you're not actually you're not able to be, free yourself from, and mm-hmm. and I and I know people will say, well, I could stop if I wanted to, but uh-huh. you haven't been able to, which is actually the sign of an addiction. Okay. Right. So, again, there's different levels of addiction, but in Dal- Joe Dallas's book, The Game Plan, it's a 30 day. Uh, mm-hmm. devotional essentially. Yeah. And what he does is he asks you to give 15 minutes a day mm-hmm. to reading scripture, memorizing scripture, and then writing certain things out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even, I've, I don't know how many people I've walked through this, mm-hmm. but I've always said, if I can't, if a person can't do the mm-hmm. game plan, which is 30 days, yeah. then it's going to be almost impossible to get free. I mean, mm-hmm. there are those supernatural moments where sure. God just, boom, you yeah. know, you're free. And that's what I think everybody's wanting, right? They yeah. want they want well, the miraculous yeah. moments. I mean, I had a supernatural moment like that, but I had all the game plan kind of stuff in the aftermath. Right. You know, like I had to repair my self-identity. I had so much shame and self-hatred. I had worse temptation after I got freed from porn miraculously than I did while I looked at it all the time. Right. You know, I had a bigger weight and pressure with like so much temptation started flooding my life. And so, yeah, it was definitely not just a miraculous event. It was also a process of discipleship. And I I don't think for anybody, if you have a miraculous event, but you don't walk out renewing your mind with scripture and letting your heart be restored by the Lord and by his presence and through relationship with mm-hmm. him and his walking in his ways, you're, you're going to go back. Yeah, because 80% yeah. of deliverance, because mm-hmm. that's what a person's thinking. Usually they're yeah. kind of that Pentecostal charismatic, yeah. I need a breakthrough. Yeah. And you'll get it. Yep. But 80% of deliverance is actually discipleship. Yeah. The 20% is the miraculous moment. It's It's actually the the easiest part. It's the catalyst, (laughs) you know, the demonic lies, truth comes in, God obliterates. He puts like a smart bomb on the the walls of the stronghold and it comes down. But demonic lies and old habits and patterns have a way of being like a mason to build that stronghold uh-huh. back up real quickly if a person doesn't replace yep. that ground with something better. And so 
I always say if a person can't go through the game plan or, or some other tool, a 30-day tool to learn your identity in Christ, to come to God and have him satisfy those longings of, of your heart, to enter into honest and open confession, scripture memorization, to embed yourself mm-hmm. uh, and give 15 minutes a day to the development yeah. of your spiritual life, it's almost impossible to really maintain or sustain that freedom. That's just a tool that I've used. I use Exit and I use the game plan. Mm-hmm. Those are the tool two that I mm-hmm. use in helping people to gain freedom and I, I encourage that. But what are, John, the steps of freedom from pornography? What are, what are some of the things? We've talked a bit about mm-hmm. confession and your testimony, yeah. you came to your dad, you yes. were like, I can't do this anymore. Uh-huh. So you gotta come to the end of yourself. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and then you have to confess. What yeah. what are the steps of freedom uh, from pornography initially and eventually? Yeah, I think Jesus is the. You got to pursue Jesus. The way he's the things. way. He's the way. Yeah. Pursue him above everything else. Let him be your Lord. Let him. He wants to know you intimately. He wants to have a true relationship with you. He wants. Uh, he's willing. He took all of your sin, all of your shame, all mm. of your pain on the cross. So he wants all of you. So give him everything and make him your number one pursuit. And then when you're going to adopt his value system, then you're you know spending time in his word, mm-hmm. and I would say spending time in community. A lot of our sexual sin is a result of brokenness in relationship or the brokenness in how community, especially if there's been sexual abuse or or just sexual experiences that we've been exposed to or getting exposed to porn at a young age, it affects the way we have relationships. It creates a secret world. So we want to break down everything that creates a secret separate world. And we want to live in true community where we're in the light, not with just God in prayer alone, but when with other people. Mm-hmm. So I think anything that takes me away from having a dualistic, like this is who I am in private. This is who I am in public. Like, I don't want, mm-hmm. I don't want, I want the closer somebody gets to me, they'll find out some of my imperfections and flaws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I want them to respect me more the closer they get because I want to value and care for those relationships. So you have to deal with the the, the false sense of self-protection mm-hmm. um, that you've put up to keep people out. And you got to let people in. You got to build healthy relationships. And I have a little line in my book, and I believe it's true. You know, healthy relationships will keep you from porn, or porn will keep you from healthy relationships. And I really believe that with all my heart. That's very true. So um, I think that it's very important to pursue Christ above all and his word, bring it into confession, but then build ongoing healthy relationships mm-hmm. so that you're continually renewed. There's pressure points in life. Stressful things are gonna come in the future, five, 10 years down the road. You don't know what the future holds. I don't know, but I've, so I've gotta learn how to handle stress. I've gotta learn how to deal with difficulties by letting other people in, processing my emotions in a healthy way and not looking for these shortcuts you know, that mm-hmm. would would bring me back to a destructive behavior and pattern like porn. Um, but those that that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. I would I would encourage people yeah, to I mean, do. And I think going through a book, going through a course, um, there's some good Christian courses and resources, um, such as you've mentioned and some others that are very valuable. And I would encourage people to definitely reach out and get help to do do a group or a book or a study like that. I mean, I know you have some resources on mm-hmm. your website. It's iSunrise. Mm-hmm. CC or is it isunrise.org? Yeah. .org, yeah. yeah. You have some teachings on this. Yeah. Uh, you can start there. Just go to YouTube, type yeah. in John Hammer. There's some teachings that he's done on this in particular, but lust is not going to go away. Right. Right. So like we have to battle mm-hmm. lust, yep. whether or not it's something that 
um, we're facing as an addiction. But right. lust, we have temptation in yep. this world. I tell people all the time, like temptation's not going away, but we can be overcomers in Christ. So having our relationship with God solidified, strong, it's what sustains us when temptation yeah. comes. He's the one that bring that brings us out of yes. those places of bondage, or even sustains us mm-hmm. so that we never go yeah. to those places. Uh, I also wanted to say um, one of the things when it comes to sexual sin in particular, be, uh, with God relationships, we have uh, courses. Is that part part of the way that I I think of it? And you sh- you're sharing this in different ways, yeah. but I call it the principle of displacement. Mm-hmm. It's that oftentimes our mind is occupied with temptation or people's minds are occupied with certain um, gravitational pull in stress and stress management or whatever the thing is that that brings this as an option. It's that we have to be think, we have to learn to think differently. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of helps that really teach people to displace Uh what you're focusing on. It's like for some people that we just have to learn, like if you're getting tempted and you're at home and that's this place where you end up doing stuff you shouldn't do, you got to learn how to do stuff. You got to learn mm-hmm. how to turn off your computer at night, um, read books. You, you just, yes. you can't kind of have your cake and eat it too. You right. have to discipline no. your life, right. knowing who you are saying, you know what? I'm not saying I'll do anything at night, but I might get tempted and I don't want to get into the ring and fight yes. that battle. Turn off your computer after 10 o'clock, read books, change the way you live. The right. principle of displacement is replacing one thing for another. Yeah. So knowing that's going to be there in advance helps you to do something yeah. different. And you know what that different uh, already is. I give some of those helpful tools and exit. Yep. Um, the one thing I would say, it's in my book, but I would probably emphasize more too, um, is sometimes we look at porn as just dealing with like a sin management is like a legal mm-hmm. issue of like right and wrong, which right. it definitely is. And we should mm-hmm. repent of sin and not have any part of it. But I would also encourage people to deal with their emotional pain. Because I think a lot of guys that are, and women that are in porn addiction, it is a result of emotional pain that they haven't learned to resolve or let, you know, they've turned to an idol or another God to deal with it instead of the true God. So letting, learning how to let God heal your emotions and your pain, I think is as important as dealing with the sinfulness of it. You know, they're both important. Very true. But I think that sometimes we just deal with it that way but our heart doesn't become recovered. And mm-hmm. if we don't recover our heart, then we're always gonna be looking for something to fill that place when God, of course, is the one who wants to be that for us. Amen. Well, hey, we mm-hmm. could keep talking about it, but yep. all we're gonna do uh-huh. is cover the chapters of your book. There you go. So let me encourage everybody, please do uh, go out and buy this. Even if you're not struggling with porn addiction or um, this isn't a thing that you currently are going through right now, other people are. And we can be capable ministers in the hands of God. That's really what this podcast is about. I know Pastor John carries such a weight and testimony in this particular arena. And it's powerful. It's powerful what God brought, not only brought him out of, but how you have walked for 20 years uh, in your freedom and helped other people find freedom. This book has all of those principles and so much more. John, let's close this episode by, I want you to pray for anybody that listens or watches. And if you're in that place, please receive this prayer and also the helpful tips and tools, particularly leaning towards your relationship with God from what we've talked about today. So Pastor John, let's pray. All right. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to just talk about how there's hope and freedom in the middle of this uh, dark and heavy issue of pornography, Lord. And there's grace for all of us. And Lord, I remember when you first set me free from porn, 
after the first few years, how different I felt. I felt like a different person. I mm -hmm. felt like my thoughts were different and I didn't know if it would ever be possible for me to get out of certain thought patterns or things, Lord, that felt so deeply entrenched, but you did it, Lord. You, Your word is true and there is freedom and there is hope available. And I pray, Lord, that you would release courage in the heart of every man Thank or you, woman yeah. uh, that, that watches this or hears this, that they would open their heart to you That's right. and they would open up their heart to others and they would receive the freedom that comes as a promise in your word. And Jesus, we thank you that you died for our sin, yeah. not only for us to receive eternal life in heaven after life, but also to receive power over sin in this life. And so I thank you for your power to defeat sin in our lives, for your grace mm -hmm. and your love to bring healing to the broken parts of our soul. And I just pray you would release your healing power, Lord, your healing love over hearts that have been broken sexually. Lord, and where everybody, somebody feels so stuck and yeah. it feels so impossible that hope would just break in today Thank you, as they God. look to you, yeah. Lord Jesus, and that you would recover their soul, you'd recover their mind. Lord, you'd work redemptively in their life. You'd connect them to resources and people that could help them. Mm -hmm. Lord, that your purpose for wholeness and freedom would flourish in their lives by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, John, thank you for mm -hmm. being with us, sharing your story and your book with us yeah, uh, today. You. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in for Conversations with Ben Dixon, and we look forward to a new episode with you really soon. Amen. God bless you. Mm -hmm.